Jesus in his like most famous sermon, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. So people have gathered, he's talking. He starts with these ideas, uh, what he calls, what we call uh, blessings. You're blessed if. He goes into this whole range of things. And what's interesting is that he, he kind of hits on a common theme. This idea that we're blessed when we have everything we need or everything that we want. Have you seen it like in social media or around, you know, like hashtag blessed? Have you seen this? And it's always connected to the best of the best. And Jesus reverses the script. And he says, no, you're actually blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're actually blessed when you have nowhere else to go. Because it's then that you can find God. Right? And there's this statement that he makes. It's a stretch for the commercial, but just go with me, where he says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Oh, I love that, that translation. It's from the message, uh, Eugene Peterson. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite. So the, the, the idea, now, when I, I grew up in Alabama, and um, Pepsi was like, secondary, like everything was Coke. Yes, you guys remember, you grew up in the South, some of you, right? Like you actually went into a restaurant and you said, what kind of Cokes do you have? And they would name the kind of Cokes. Like if I did that here, they usually go regular and diet. But in the South, if you say, what kind of Cokes do you have? They say, well, we have Pepsi and we have, they go through the kind of the list and, and all of that. So uh, we, we would you know, a Coke was a big deal back then. Like, uh, my family, we didn't drink a lot of Cokes, but when we could get a Coke, it was a big deal. And so every now and then I would thirst for a Coke. And Jesus says, no, no, you're blessed. Like, you enter into a blessing. You connect with God the best when you hunger and thirst for what's right. When there's something so deep within you, broken, when you see injustice in the world, like that is when you're, you're truly fulfilled. It's not something that comes and goes, very similar to what Sarah was talking about. That's where blessing comes. Now, good little transition here. We're beginning a new series today, and all three of these commercials uh, were trying to get us to think about food and drink. We're trying to get to the, the idea of, of food and drink. The stories from Scripture were all to move us to food and drink. And for the next few weeks, we're going to dig into this concept that everything changes at the table. Everything changes at the table. That life changes when you gather around a table and you share meals with people that you love, people that you don't know. Everything changes at the table. Um, the table is central to Scripture. Food is central to Scripture. Can I get an amen? amen. I, so when, when Sarah was saying that Cheetos taste good and steak, I disagree. Like steak tastes good. It fulfills, right? It's in Scripture. There's some Scripture there with it. Uh, when it talks about heaven in Scripture, uh, it, it talks about a dinner party. Food and table central to what we find in Scripture. Uh, it's sacred space. We find at a table what God provides for us. We find at a table life, joy, 
sacrifice, we find understanding, and we find the potential for relationships to grow deeper when you're sitting at a table enjoying a meal. It's one of my favorite things to do. Every now and then, some of you ask me, hey, I know you're super busy. Is there a chance that we could ever like, sit down and have a meal? I love that. It's like one of my favorite things to do in the world is to sit down. And here's why. Because everything changes at the table. Like we get to know each other at the table. And I think for us to be the church that God wants us to be, we must sit at a table. Uh, last night, we didn't even plan this uh, to, to, to line up with the series, but last night we had some friends invite us over to their house and there were five couples there and there were a bunch of kids running around and the sunset, did you see the sunset last night? Whoa, it was awesome, but not nearly as good as what happened around the table. Uh, Ryan like, got the, the grill going, we had steak, it was awesome, but we also had some greens. Uh, Kylie made some, uh, what were they? Brussels sprouts, oh my goodness, they were awesome. The food was incredible, but it didn't compare with the people around the table. You know what the question was? What was your first car? And we went around the table, and they were all so different. And if you answer that question, we could probably go around this room. Um, should we do this? No, no, we won't. Um, you could probably go around this room really quickly and just answer the question really, really quickly. Mine was a Honda Civic, 1983. That was my first car. Done. Move on. But what happened was, when you answered the question, all of a sudden, some other stories started to spill out. You know, maybe uh, a story that, that was given to an officer when you were pulled over in your first car that may or may not have been completely true. We're not sure. Someone who was pulled over twice within 10 minutes and wondering if their license was going to get suspended, things like that. And all of a sudden, we're laughing at the table. We know each other at a whole nother level at the table from a simple question because everything changes when you sit around a table and you enjoy a meal. Uh, quick question. Can you remember the table where you grew up? The kitchen table or the dinner Do you remember? There was, uh, at my dinner, my dinner table, my mom loved to make casseroles. Any casserole fans? Oh. What kind of casserole? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just more salt and cheese, and it would be better, whatever. It doesn't matter. Broccoli, casseroles at the table. I know there was some laughter at the table. But um, as I got a little bit older, our table became a battlefield. It was loud, and not good loud. Some of you Italians, it's good loud. <laughs> But it was a battlefield almost, almost every night. And there was a point that I didn't want to go to the table anymore because it was hard. It was mean. It was uncomfortable. It was frustrating. Have you ever been there? When the table didn't bring you together, it actually drove you the other direction. See, God, I, I believe with everything that I am that God wants the table to be a place where, where we're brought together, even in, in our differences, even in 
and the tension, that the table could begin to change the dynamics in so many ways. So that's what we want to pursue the next few weeks. And I want to start with something simple today. So are you good with something simple today? So it begins in the Old Testament. And um, I want to take us to a a fairly simple place uh, as you have the table on your mind. Uh, God has led the children of Israel, his nation, out of slavery. They've been in Egypt. Don't forget this. God's people have been in Egypt, Egypt, yes, in slavery. Terrible, right? Sounds terrible. And so God uses Moses and Aaron to lead them out of slavery. So they come out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they wander in the desert. Now, you would think this is a good thing, right? And God has told him, there's a promised land. There's a good place that you're going. There's something great up ahead. And so they're in the desert, and uh, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. What? They were in slavery. They're no longer in slavery, and still they complain. If only... If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they whined. Now, that's ridiculous. But that's just like us, isn't it? Like we like to point at our kids because they want, but we do the same exact thing. If God would have only left me alone back where I was. I mean, I know it was terrible. I was enslaved. It was, but if he just would have left me. And then they go on and they say, there we sat around, at least we sat around pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Now, that is just like us as adults. We have an incredible capacity to complain, don't we? An incredible capacity to complain. Now, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to me, that we have the capacity to take what God's given us and to say, that is not enough. I need more. Come on, anybody? Are you with me? Don't we have that capacity? To just complain, to say, God, I know you brought me out of slavery, but it's not enough. I just need a little bit more. You know what the definition of enough is? Just a little bit more. It's a sliding scale. We can never have enough until we recognize the blessing of God in front of us. That's right in front of us. So the Lord says to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. And each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need. So God begins to, in their complaining, God begins to meet their need in a significant way so that they will come to trust him. So here's what they do. God says, every morning when you get up, you, you are to go out in the desert. So you're in, if you consider the desert, they're in the desert. But not a desert like this because we have way too much here. But a desert like in the middle of nowhere. You know, so we're in the middle of the desert. God has led us out of slavery from Canada, and we, and so we come into the desert, sorry about that, um, my friends, um, we're in the desert, and, and, and so uh, God says, here's what I'm going to do, every morning you get up, you walk out of your tent, there'll be food everywhere, and he says to them, I want you to pick up what you need for the day, all that you need for the day, just take it, isn't that incredible, what a gift, God says, I'm going to provide exactly what you need each and every day. Now, if it were us, and if you think the way that I do strategically, what would you do? Pick up more. Anybody with me? 
be like, you know what, this is awesome today that God gave me exactly what I need. I'm going to take what I need right here, a little bit of extra in my pocket, just in case God doesn't show up tomorrow, because you know how God is. I mean, he brought us out of slavery. You know how God is. You just can't fully trust him. So I'm going to take what I need, I'm going to bring it back, and I'm going to enjoy what I need, and a little bit of extra in my pocket. Good, right? So God taught them not a good thing to do. What happened to the extra? Anybody read this story? It rotted, filled with maggots. You should read the Bible. There's good stories in there. So if they, if they took up more than they needed, the food that they put in their tent would actually rot and would be filled with maggots the next day. Have you ever smelled maggots? It is terrible if you haven't. It's nasty. Some of you are going to throw up with me just saying the word maggots. You're like, Matt, please do not use that word again. But it was maggots that was in the food. <laughs> Sorry. Um, here's, here's what God wanted them to do. Trust me. The table is a place where we learn to trust God and to trust that God will provide everything that I need. So do you trust God? Now, it's easy to say yes in here right now with a lot. But do you really trust God? And not only do you trust God, but do you trust that God is good? Do you trust that what he provides is enough for you? Like, do you really trust that God is good and that he will provide what you need? In the Psalms, uh, David wrote this, the eyes, of all, the eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Now, there's some skeptics in the room. Any skeptics? No, you don't have to raise your hand. Skeptics, because you read something like this and you think to yourself, like I do, and I'm admitting this, well, what about all the people who don't get enough food? Because there are people starving in our world. Any skeptics in the room? You read this and you're like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. When God entrusts us with more than we need, he trusts that we will share in his goodness and be invited, as Ryan taught us, into a grander story than just what's on our table. Now, that's not to make you feel guilty. I walked out of the first service and Robin pulled me aside and she said, oh, I feel so guilty. It's not about guilt. It's about realizing that when God provides more than we need, he also entrusts and invites us into a greater story. It's why we partner with missions organizations around the country. It's why we bring diapers throughout the month of February to be able to do something bigger than what just happens in our house at our table. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Yeah, so do I trust God? Do I trust that he really does provide enough for everyone? He just invites me to be a part of the provision that he gives. So here's the challenge this week. I told you a super simple one. Here it is. Um, when we gather to eat, every time, will you think of it? Um, yeah, that's a great quote from Shauna Nyquist. Every time we eat, every time we gather, God's here, he's, he's here, and he's good. That's a good thought, isn't it? Um, what I want to challenge you to do, though, 
is to every time you eat this week and for the next four weeks, every time. So when you sit down at the table or some of you are super busy, so you're driving through Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell or wherever you go to get your food really quick. So you're sitting in your car with a chicken sandwich or French fries or whatever it is. Every time you sit down to eat or drink, can you think of it as God's provision in front of you? Could you do that? Can we, can we reframe our minds to when we sit down to, to, to see that God has, has provided in that moment exactly what we need? Can you do that? Now, I'm gonna, we're going to keep coming back to it, but it's, it's about this idea that God provides everything that I need and I can trust him. And so every time I sit down and every time that I eat, I'm going to reframe my mind to remember that it's God who has provided this. Now, if you're like me, some skeptics in the room, some of you are like, are you really that skeptical, Matt? I am sometimes. If you're like me, sometimes you think, I'm the one who worked hard to make enough money to go to the grocery store and buy this. And I'm the one who was in the, the, the kitchen with my Instapot making the dinner. Like, that was me. Like, I provided this food, and my kids need to thank me for it. Anyone? And they never do. They don't, do they? And neither do we. Because, like, let's, let's just be honest. As much as I want to think I provided what's on the table, I don't have a bunch of chickens running around my yard. And I don't somehow make the grass grow so that the chickens can eat the grass and the seed on the ground. And I don't, if, if I'm a vegetarian, I'm not the one who tills up the soil and has created this unbelievable process where the earth is so far from the sun, 93,000 mi million miles, and that the earth turns at just the right speed so that we get enough sunlight during the day so the plants can be fed, so photosynthesis can happen, rain to fall from the sky so that the ground might be nourished and bring up out of that seed a plant that then I can put in my mouth and eat. I'm not the one who does that, and you're not either. So who provides what's on our table? God. And sometimes I look, look at my kids and I'm like, why don't you say thanks? And then I'm challenged because I don't say thanks. So, then, when you're at the table, just say thanks. As you reframe what's going on, like, would you just turn your attention? And I know you forget sometimes, and I forget sometimes. You're sitting down at the table, and you're eating quick because everything that's going on. Um, so you can do it before the meal. You can actually do it during the meal. Like, you're eating, and you're like, oh, plant, photosynthesis. Matt said something. God, thanks. You can do it in the middle of the meal, even if you forget at the beginning, <laughs> if that's how your brain works. Or after the meal, you can feel guilty and go, oh, I didn't say thanks. But you can still say thanks. You can say it out loud. You can whisper it because God can hear that too. You can even say it silently within your own heart and mind because wherever you say it, whenever you say it, however you say it, it's turning you back towards God. And you're being reminded that you can trust him because he provides everything that you need. Everything changes at the table. If we'll plug in, find ourselves in tune with the spirit. So here's what we wanna do this month. We want to invite you to dinner. Would you join us for dinner this month? Our staff, 
we, as we talked about the series and we talked about the growth in the church and how difficult it is to really connect with as many people as we want to connect with, we said, you know what, let's just do dinner at the church, which is going to be crazy. And how can we do it? And what about, oh, we'll, just ne- we'll never have enough food and we'll never, and God's like, just set the table and uh, let's see what happens at the table. Like everything changes there. So we have three nights. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 18th, 19th, and 20th of this month from 6 to 7.30. Um, if you have kids and you're like, oh, I'm just not going to bring my kids because it'll be wrestling my kids and I don't want to do that, we have childcare on two of those nights. We have student life on two of those nights, so we'll have student life tables as well. And um, it's just a dinner. Here's the great thing. If you've been in church long enough, you're like, I know what's about to happen. Matt's about to ask me for money. So you do have to pay for your meal. Um, but it's, there's no agenda at the dinner. We're not entering into a capital campaign or a building campaign or a payoff debt campaign. None of that. This is about sitting around the table, recognizing that God is good and that we can trust him and finding relationship and joy with our church. So will you have dinner with us? I sure hope so. Our staff hopes so. We've been working on this, putting together the pieces. And um, you can register online to let us know that you're going to come, mcdowell.church slash community table, and just say, hey, I'm going to come on this night. Here's how many people I'm going to bring, and uh, it'll be a good time together. Good? Okay? I don't think you get it, okay? Okay. Like little John. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing to close. We're going to sing to God. Um, We're going to sing out a hallelujah. And as we do this, uh, feel freedom to move around the room, respond. Communion in the front, communion in the back if you'd like to do that. There's candles that represent God's presence. And so maybe you want to light a candle and ask God to be with you as you gather around the table. Maybe you need God to redeem your table and he can do that. So ask him to do that. There's a prayer team in the back of the room. If you have a need that you just want prayed over, you can slip back there. Um, But let's sing together. God, you're good, and we sing to you. You provide everything that we need, and we trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen.